Such sights to show you. Bring the motherfucking ruckus! Fuck you too! So I guess that's why we read the stories, because then we can choose the way we engage with that. Because then we can that displace ourselves, at least for yeah. a modicum of time, to, to say uh, everything is fine while the house is on fire. Exactly. And, you know, even more than that, even more than that, too, it's that, like you mentioned earlier, it's that way of trying to connect with each other because we've kind of created a place that we don't feel connected to other people in. Yeah. So stories are easy. That's the best way to connect with other people. Everybody can get that feeling. Everybody knows wood's bad. Friends good. <laughs> wood's bad. Friends good. Friends good, um, right? I think I think that that really does kind of bring us into the show a little bit because I think like one thing I've always appreciated about specifically horror storytelling. Oh yeah, let's get into it. <laughs> literally horror storytelling above above all different types of storytelling are the types of stories that i would say 80 percent 80 percent of the time it's just a metaphor for some shitty thing in life yes and like or it's just literally like. or it, yeah again or it's literally a shitty yeah. thing in life and you know it's not that I read these stories and I displace myself and I go, you know, that can or that can't ever happen to me. That's not why I'm reading these. I'm reading these because I find like entertain obvious entertainment value in seeing what different people all over the internet like to write about. That's that's really the reason I'm doing the show is because it's always interested me what the creativity of uh, a group of people would be able to accomplish if they knew they had a uh, safe enough space to put it out there. Mm -hmm. um, and exactly. what better genre than horror, because the mind can create some really abstract and really intense shit. So that's where the interest comes in. But the love, the love comes in when you see what worlds people are able to build and what, what metaphors they're able to tell and how well they're able to craft you know what it is that they want to say into the story that they're actually developing and what what fucking better example cannibal siren do we have other than the stuff that mark is writing it's true the it's the true. stories to read alone at night has always been this kind of uh i'm gonna say like pseudo reality like fringe narrative about stuff that can pretty much generally happened to anyone mm -hmm. and, and like something he said to to us when we were talking to him yeah. was that uh you know that terrifying the horrifying nature of inevitability inevitability as well yeah mm -hmm. the human condition right um, i think i think the unknown is also a big thing that he does well without um, a doubt and you know this the stuff that you can't control that helpless helplessness Exactly. That you had mentioned, um, very, very felt in a lot of his stories. Um, obviously today we're coming in to kind of close the current chapter on Mark's stuff because mm -hmm. I knew, I knew that he is writing more stuff, but I also want to save his newer stuff to when we can talk to him later and hopefully get him on another episode. Oh yeah. That would and, be amazing. Um, 
until then, we need to read more of what still exists, and we have one episode left of his stuff. So, Here I called in my favorite sea wench That's me. from the ocean floor and said, are you ready to kind of tackle the rest of his material? So here we are on a um, shitty Sunday afternoon. Um, nice and rainy. Yeah, nice and rainy. Um, Just at home. Right. And uh, and we're getting into some stories to read alone at night, even though it's the afternoon. It could be nighttime for you. That's okay. It's, it could be nighttime. You can be whatever. We'll be whatever it time you want. It could be whatever want. time you Maybe. want. When you're listening to lots of pasta, will be anything. It could be it could be so much more than you sitting in your car going to and from work. Mm -hmm. That's when I will, listen to it. <laughs> will be will be anything, anything you want. Please I know, don't leave. I know people who listen to this while they're doing like uh, chores. And yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. And I can't, for the life of me, actually wrap my head around like someone like doing dishes listening to me be, be you know talk about like i don't know just for the example like tommy taffy reaching over and grabbing a, a little boy's dick in the middle of a story <laughs> you know like that oh no <laughs> now we're that kind of podcast oh god it happens so fast it happens <laughs> it happens when you least expect it as well um we we were talking about trauma, <laughs> so no, now we're really getting in it. But yeah, uh, you know, it's it's the funny things that keep I think keep keep our guests here. So, um, you know, our attitude, our attitudes, and our expressions while we read these stories is still worth worth a discussion topic at some point. <laughs> um, I hope so. The ups and downs of Mark's narratives. <laughs> I would say can take us a, a spectrum of different places. We have uh, three stories, only three left that I know of that mm -hmm. um, existed from his second page. Cause his, mm -hmm. his first page stories to read alone at night. We finished most of those a while ago. I think mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if any of these are carryovers from the first page. Cause I feel like we've been going in order, but I could be completely wrong. Um, we're gonna find we out have three together. left. I believe they're from his second collection. Again, could be wrong. I'm giving him all the credit. Go check out Mark's stuff uh, over at One Page Wonder or Stories to Read Alone at Night. Literally, by Googling either of those, you will end up at the same place. Um, and it's a great place. It's a great place that we've been living in for, I want to say, the last seven years. <laughs> so, oh, my God. Jesus Christ. I can't believe it's been that long. <laughs> I try not to think about it. <laughs> yeah, good idea. Good call. Let's talk There are parts it. of me that are like, wow, you've been doing this for a while and you, like, don't hate it and haven't given up and people still want to do it. So why? Oh, yeah. Why stop? Question mark. But also, um, why continue? And I find myself <laughs> saying it's also because of the people and because of the stories. So as long as we have those, you know, I will try. I will try to keep it going as long as I can. Um, yeah. We we're reading the last of Mark's stories that are known of today. He did write, um, the story we read on his last episode, which is only two episodes ago for the audience, but close to a year ago for all of our listeners. Um, wow. 
yeah, I needed to take a break. I just needed, you know, burnout is a real thing. And when you do a lot of work, you know, you need to take a break to, to equal, to balance that feng shui. And it's just something I do. And that's fine. We're, we're steamrolling through the next 50 episodes at this point. So we're going to be working our way up to, uh, 300, um, which is going to be a, a cool milestone for us. Um, I have, Very I have funny. a lot of cool things planned, um, for 300 and, and on the way there as well. And, uh, getting Mark back on one of the episodes between now and then is also a mission plan. So hopefully he's listening and hopefully he's cranking out, um, some <laughs> new story for us so that we can have him back to, uh, read it and talk about it. Um, today we're going to start with, um, a short one, um, that has always kind of caught my eye because, uh, what's, what at the end of the day is more interesting than, you know, the creepy old building in the neighborhood that, that people always tell stories about and nothing. And that might also be like in the apartment that you live in, which is a cool callback to the last series I did with you. Oh God. Yeah. Um, That was so good. I, I loved the apartment series. So, you know, this, this might have similar vibes. Uh, So, yeah, we're going to jump into the first of the stories to read alone at night. And it's this is going to be the shorter one. We have two longer ones after this. Uh, We're going to be doing the duplex. The year before I was born, my parents bought an old Victorian near the center of town. When it became clear that I was to be an only child, they added an exterior staircase and converted the upstairs to a small apartment. From as far back as I can remember, Mrs. Francis lived upstairs. She was a kindly old lady who taught English at the nearby middle school and spent much of her free time reading to patients at the local hospital. She was something of a fixture around town and could often be seen walking to and from school towing a small cart with her teaching supplies. They should pay her to deliver the mail while she's at it. (laughs) (laughs) My dad used to joke. I swear you could set a watch to that woman. In the afternoons when school was done, I'd often end up at her place in search of someone to play with. She'd serve me juice and those small animal cookies, the ones with the pink and white frosting on the small teeth. Oh, I love those. God, yeah, those are the good animal cookies. Yeah. I'd sit on the floor in front of the television and watch afternoon cartoons while she graded papers in her easy chair. Well, that's enough for today, dear. You don't want to watch them all. She'd say at around quarter to five when our afternoons had drawn to a close. I'd place my cup and plate by the sink and make my way downstairs to get ready for dinner. Thanks for the company, dear. I'd get lonely if it weren't for you, he'd say as I left. One afternoon after cartoons and cookies, Miss Francis told me that she was going to be retiring soon and that she'd be moving closer to her family. She told me that she would miss me very much and think of me often. That's okay, I remember saying, not understanding that our afternoon meetings were about to come to an end. After she left, my folks rented the apartment to a recluse. I don't remember ever meeting him in person, but my parents said that he slept during the day and I would have to be a lot quieter around the house. I never really understood what all the fuss was about, but anytime I would get too boisterous or play my afternoon cartoons too loudly, he would knock loudly on the floor, or ceiling, until I quieted down. This went on until I was about nine. My dad got a job in the city, so my parents put the house up for sale and we began packing up our belongings in preparation for the big move. When moving day came, a large truck pulled up outside. Three men in matching coveralls jumped out and began loading all our belongings in the back. 
It was an odd sight for a kid watching the contents of your house end up in the back of a truck, and I spent a majority of the day at our front yard watching intensely as they loaded each, uh, each piece like a jigsaw puzzle. When the movers stopped for lunch, I happened to look up and see that the door to the upstairs apartment was open. Curious about our invisible neighbor and emboldened by the fact that I would never have to see him again, I carefully made my way up the stairs and stood at the landing. Blinded by the warm afternoon sun, I couldn't see more than a few feet into the apartment. Hello, I said apprehensively, giving the door a few gentle knocks. It's me from downstairs. I just want to say goodbye and sorry about all the times I woke you up. I never meant to. <laughs> I waited patiently, but the moments passed with no answer. I placed my palm across my forehead to act as a visor, but no matter how hard I squinted, it was too dark inside to make out much of anything. Figuring that our apartment, our neighbor wouldn't hear from me out on the landing, I took a half step into the darkened apartment. As my eyes adjusted, I could see the apartment was furnished. Then it hit me. The apartment was decorated exactly as it had been when Miss Frances lived there, right down to the little tea plate resting comfortably on the kitchen table. Hmm. Confused but comforted by the familiar sights of Miss Frances' belongings, I took another step further inside. Miss Frances, are you still there? I called, unsure as to who the occupant of the apartment was. If you're here, I just wanted to say goodbye. I won't bother you if you don't want me to. The door to the bedroom creaked. I'm, I'm here. in here, dear. Come help me down. A voice called. Oh, no. Uh-oh. Oh, no. I don't think that's Miss Frances. <laughs> <laughs> Only now, instead of being excited at reunited with reuniting with my old friend, my blood turned to ice and the room seemed to grow extremely cold, even though it was a warm, sunny day. Then the footsteps started, quiet at first, but growing louder with every step. Just as I was expecting to see someone around the corner from the hallway, a strong hand grabbed me by the nape of my neck and pulled me out onto the landing. Scared out of my wits, I turned to see my dad. I don't know why, but the minute I saw him, I started bawling. He led me down the stairs and in a stern voice told me to sit in the car while he finished with the movers. Later that day, after we had made what I deemed to be a safe distance between us and the old house, I perked up and asked my parents about the apartment. Why is it still decorated the way it was? My parents grew serious and my dad turned off the radio. We didn't want to tell you this, at least not until you were older, he said. But, uh, Miss Frances never moved out. So she's still living there, I asked. My dad shook his head. No, no. She's been gone a long time now. Back when you were younger, she'd gotten word that she was going to be forced into early retirement. And she told us that her new pension was going to be a lot less than what she had planned and that she was going to have to move out. Only, she never did. Instead, she hanged herself up there from one of those macrame planters she was so fond of making. Ooh, that is grotesque. Yeah, that's fucked up. That is fucked up. You could My have just said she died. <laughs> my mom made me a macrame planner. It's literally hanging in front of me. That's I'm okay. All right, Mark, you need to calm down wherever you are. <laughs> that, that's, that's enough, sir. I don't know how you figured out who my mom is, but that's not funny. <laughs> <laughs> my stomach sank at the news and an incredible sadness washed over me as I reflected on this afternoon, sat watching TV and eating those delicious frosted cookies. But 
What about the neighbor, the one who was always banging on the ceiling, I finally asked, trying to process the years of imposed quiet time. After what happened up there, we were never able to rent the place, my dad said. So we just gave up on it. Not long after, the noises started. We soon noticed that they only seemed to get really bad when you were making noise, especially with the TV on. We even asked Father Deming to bless the place. Uh, I don't know what he saw up there, but he only made it halfway through the blessing before hightailing it for the door. Whatever it was nearly spooked the dress off of him. The car fell silent. I turned my attention to the window and I watched the landscape, mostly open fields dotted by the occasional farmhouse, fly by as I tried to process what had happened in our home. A faint rattling emanated from the boxes my parents had haphazardly stacked next to me in the back seat. After a moment, Mom let out a sigh. Your dad's just trying to spook you. She said. Miss Frances was a nice old lady, and she always talked about how much she adored you. Besides, she added, our new home is brand new. No one has ever lived there before, so you don't have to worry about any of this ever again. <laughs> Drama. <laughs> God damn it. My dad interrupted as the car jolted abruptly, achieving a temporary state of weightlessness. Those bastards want to raise taxes to build a new bridge. Well, maybe they should start by fixing the potholes. As he regained control of the car, Pennsylvania mood. <laughs> as, he, as he regained control of the car and the boxes settled, I noticed something rusting on the seat next to me. It was Miss Francis's old tea plate. I'll say maybe, maybe her ooky spookiness is coming with you, little one. <laughs> Maybe it's joining you <laughs> for the road trip. Fantastic. Yeah, that's good. That was good. I like that one. That's short, sweet, and to the point. Yep. Just the way we like it. Poor and Miss Francis. Good amount of good amount of spook. Good amount of heart. We did yeah, it. Nice. There's nothing. I, there's just nothing better than hearing some the someone you know and love talk to you and knowing it's not them. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I do, I do know, and it, and it haunts me. <laughs> and it haunts me deeply. <laughs> but yeah, um, I liked duplex. Duplex is, uh, an abbreviation of what I feel like, uh, a Stephen King short story. Yeah, would definitely. Would feel like, um, he's definitely written a lot of stuff like that before, so it's very similar. Yeah, it's got um, the vibes. And it's it's just it's it's a fun it's a fun little ooky spooky ghost narrative to to get you moving. And I and I like that. And I think that's fine. Um I don't know what this one is about. Usually the titles I think are very informative for mm -hmm. what Mark writes. Very um, true. Marcy travels. I don't know, maybe just a, a, a story about someone's traveling. Story maybe. about someone going somewhere or coming back yeah. from somewhere. And... They're just going somewhere. Nothing bad. And nothing bad happens to her, I bet. Yeah, nothing bad happens to her at all. And no. she is fine. And, and good, even. And good and happy and, and fine. And fine. Especially fine. <laughs> uh, Marcy Travels. Stories to read alone at night. I'll let you, I'll let you just continue doing that good thing you do. I got it. 
its own lanai. That sounds divine. I'm sorry, you're going to have to forgive me, but can you describe it? I don't think I've ever seen a lanai before. Oh, like a patio then. No, it sounds amazing. A private fireplace. Now I am in heaven. Marcy held out her free hand and gently wiggled her fingers. Oh, sorry, that should have been you. I thought Marcy was the main character. My bad. Oh, no, I'm... I'm I feel like you should... Oh, yeah, keep keep reading for her, then. That's fine. Okay. Well, it all sounds delightful, especially the lanai. But I will have to <laughs> double-check with my husband before I can commit. He's very busy with work right now, and I'd hate to put a deposit down before clearing the dates with him. You know how it is. Something is always coming up. Yes. Okay. I'll be sure to let him know. 10% off if we book before the 15th. Thanks again, Tiffany. Bye-bye. Oh, aloha? Aloha. It's like I'm already there. Well. Yes. Where did you go tonight? Hawaii? Mona. <laughs> she said with a nod. They have these massages that they do with hot lava rocks. Tiffany says it's transformative. That sounds amazing. Doesn't it? <laughs> she said with the pitch of her voice returning to its normal melancholic tone. When she traveled, it would climb as though she'd ooh and ah over the various amenities and landscapes that she'd never seen. If something were particularly good, she'd make the poor hotel clerk or travel agent describe it over and over again, just to make sure she could get a clear picture. She sank into her chair, pulling her throw about herself. Would you like your tea now? It's almost nine. Is it really? She asked. No wonder Tiffany was so eager to get off the phone. It must be after midnight there. I hope you didn't keep her long. Long enough to get a tan, she joked. <laughs> She'd pick up a trick some years back. She'd begun every call by stating her name and then asking for the agent's first and last name. She found they'd stay on the line longer if they suspected they were being mystery shocked. What a she bitch. Was, <laughs> what a bitch. What she was doing may not have been much better than prank calling, but it brought her such joy I never felt right about calling her out on it. I fixed her tea, adding an extra dollop of honey to mask the sedatives. She'd been waking at odd hours of the night again. She just like me. It was common, the doctor said, to get day and night mixed up, especially when she didn't go outside during the day. Something about the sun, they said, helped regulate our sleeping patterns, even if she couldn't see it. Are you trying to put me in a coma? She asked with a wince after tasting her tea. Or something more sinister. I just want you to get some rest, that's all. I answered. The truth was that I was the one in desperate need of a good eight hours. She'd been sleepwalking again, but her therapist had advised me to keep things upbeat. What color were Mom's eyes? She asked. Dark brown. I answered. That's what I thought, but I had this dream last night and her eyes were green, like emeralds. But I'm not even sure it was Mom, you know? It's all slipping. She had brown eyes. Dark brown. She waved her fingers and frowned. No, it's all jumbled, she said. I can only see green eyes now. They've been replaced. Replaced was the term she used when her pictures no longer aligned with what she knew to be fact. Mom had brown eyes, now they were green. Dad was clean shaven, but she could only picture him with a beard. Otis, our late golden retriever, was now a black lab. One by one, her memories slowly changed over time, and she had no way, outside of asking me, of verifying what was true. Is, that, is that Alzheimer's, you think? 
I think so. I'm getting Alzheimer's or maybe dementia, but it's it's weird yeah. though because that usually what happens there is that people they forget. And it yeah. usually starts it's an with absence short of things, not a changing of things. Exactly. And it usually also starts with short term. Like mm. they'll be able to remember stuff that happened when they were a kid, but they don't know what's going on like right now. That's why yeah. they'll often mistake like grandkids for like kids. Interesting. Sometimes her questions would be so obscure that I'd have to dig through old photos to find an answer. After a particularly lucid dream, she made me drive by our childhood home to count how many rose bushes were planted along the front walk. I told her there were seven, even though the new owners had dug them all up and replaced them with boxwoods. I did that more often than not now, allowing her version of events to become canon, both because I was often too tired to check for real and because she had been growing more and more upset when her pictures were contradicted by reality. Yeah. That is actually true. Yeah, that's, that's kind of sad. <laughs> yeah, you, if someone has dementia, you're actually supposed to play along. Just go with that. it. Yeah, it yeah, keeps them they, docile, right? Yeah, and they don't, like, they don't fucking know, man. Like, trying to correct them is just going to make them more upset. Yeah. Do you see them now? Mom's eyes? I asked. Her head listed in response. I'd overdone it with her medication again. She'd suffer for it in the morning, but I was relieved to have some time to myself. I wrapped her blanket around her and reclined her chair, making a mental note to check on her in a few hours. I need to ask you something, Marcy said, greeting me as I came home from work. It's about the accident. It's been a long day, Marcy. I said. You've got to give me a minute to decompress first. <laughs> I'll be here, she answered, drumming her fingers across her knee to let me know she wasn't going to forget about it. I briefly considered sneaking out the back, but that only ever succeeded in infuriating her. <laughs> Instead, I took a moment to change my clothes and rejoined her in the living room for what I was certain was going to be a long night. We were driving, she began her recital. I was sitting behind Dad, and you were sitting, you were next to me behind Mom. We were singing jingle bells, and Dad kept making farting noises during the haze. I was cracking us up, but Mom kept hushing him. Then she started screaming. She was frantic, and I couldn't understand what she was saying. That's right. I said. I hated this ritual, but her therapists had all agreed it was important. They said it would help alleviate her PTSD, but recounting the events of the night always made my stomach drop. Then the firefighters came. I said, trying to rush her to the conclusion. Before that, he interrupted. Before that, there was a boy. No. I think you're replacing something. The firefighters came and took us to the hospital. Grandma was waiting for us there. You're rushing me, she said. There was a boy. He was sitting between us. He was pointing at something. I sighed. Why don't you have some tea? You're not going to drug me again, she protested. You treat me worse than a child. She fanned the air with her fingers as if wiping an invisible slate. We were singing jingle bells. We were laughing. Then mom started to scream. And then you. I turned to you and there was a boy sitting between us. He looked me in the eyes, but it looked like he was looking right through me. Then he looked straight ahead and held his arms out to mom and dad. No, it was just the four of us. You, me, mom, and dad. Marcy grew agitated. No, there was a boy there, younger than we were. Marcy, I've heard you tell this story a hundred times, and believe me, it never included a boy. 
Why would someone else be in the car with us that night? He was pointing at the oncoming car, she said. I can't explain it. Something's missing. She removed her glasses, which instinctively made me turn away. Even after all these years, I had never grown accustomed to the sight of her without them. She'd had 11 surgeries following the accident, most of which were cosmetic. But after the 11th, our grandma had finally intervened and told the surgeon that enough was enough. I guess she'd figured that Marcy's suffering wasn't worth it, especially given the fact that she'd never see the results for herself. I think I'm getting a migraine, she whimpered before leaning forward and vomiting down her shirt. Ooh. The room smelled filled with the acrid scent of bile. Ooh. It's okay, sweetie. I'll get you cleaned up. I said, retrieving a towel from the bathroom. I don't know what I'd do without you. One second. Of course, she knew exactly what she would do. She would live in an assisted living facility. A nice one, with a good staff that encouraged independence. Her share of the life insurance left plenty of money for that eventuality. But what about me? I wondered as I fished regurgitated bits of mac and cheese from her bra. I made it a point not to dwell on these thoughts for too long, but I wanted a life of my own. I wanted to travel. I wanted a relationship. It's only natural. I'd offered to take Marcy with me anywhere she wanted to go, but she refused. She wouldn't get into a car unless it was absolutely necessary, and even then she required a double helping of her anti-anxiety meds. Flying was strictly out of the question, and dating was complicated. The last person I was seeing was nice enough, but ultimately couldn't handle the dynamic with Marcy around. They said it wasn't fair. I couldn't argue with that. Damn. Brutal. Can you do something for me? She asked as I handed her a new top. Anything. Will you get the pictures out tomorrow? The ones with mom and dad in them? If I get home in time, but they're way up in the attic. I know you don't like going up there. I've told you there are spiders up there. But I don't think that's why you don't like going up there, she said flatly. Well, you know I don't like spiders. I know. I knocked off work a few minutes early the next day. I made up a million reasons not to drive straight home. Maybe we were low on coffee. Maybe I should stop and get some cash just to have some on hand. Maybe I should sign up for piano lessons, then I could finally realize my teenage dream of opening a dueling piano bar. <laughs> Dad would have approved. <laughs> I should probably find a vocal coach while I'm at it. In the end, I wound up driving straight home. There was no point in stalling. Once Marcy got her mind fixed on something, she wasn't likely to forget about it. I'd walked in the front door to find her sitting on her chair, her fingers drumming slowly across her knee. I had a dream last night, she said before I could hang up my coat. I think that's a good sign. You haven't been dreaming lately. I hope it was a good one. I said, unsure of where this was headed. I need to go up to the attic with you. You don't want to go up there. I said, regretting my words instantly. How many times do we have to have this conversation? How could you possibly know what I want when I flat out tell you and you refuse to listen? You can't just dismiss me because I can't see anymore, because I'm your younger sister. I'm 28 now. I want you to take me to the attic. I was just thinking of the stairs. I said, trying to assuage the situation. They're old and rickety. If something were to happen, I'm not sure I could get you out. Then call the fire department. They've gotten us out of tougher situations. Fine. Let's go. I said. I retrieved the pole and hook from the upper cabinet. I had stowed away in a place that I knew she couldn't get to just in case she ever got curious while I was away. It fit easily enough into the clasp and I brought down the trapdoor revealing the ladder. 
You better go first. I said. Just in case you slip. Marcy heeded my advice and grabbed the rungs. It doesn't seem so rickety, she said. Just watch your step. I helped push her onto the landing and soon followed. The attic was crowded with odd boxes and bric-a-brac. It was dim, lit only by a small picture window at the opposing end. It's strange, but it's just as I'd pictured it, Marcy said, running her hands along the walls and occasional file box. It even smells the same. The same as what? As in my dream. She paused, holding up her hand to the air. How many boxes are up here? She asked. I don't know. More than I ever really cared to count. The I movers said. sure made a fuss about lugging them all up here. She lowered her hand and slumped, shaking her head. You know, I used to come up here sometimes, after Grandma passed. I don't really know why, but I think I might have been looking for something, or an answer for closure or something. The photos are here, but mostly it's just Dad's old business records. I don't think there's much else to it. It made me realize that they were just people. Normal. You think Dad was normal? Or Mom? Marcy asked, exasperated. Dad had a sense of humor, sure. And I loved them both, but I don't think they were unusual. We grew up in suburbia, and we all fit right in. Marcy took a breath. But before the accident. Our Christmas recital? There's nothing unusual about that. But don't you see it? She asked, twiddling her fingers in the air. I remember singing with my class, The Twelve Days of Christmas. I was trying to remember the words. Then I looked down from the stage and I spotted Mom and Dad in the audience. They were both singing along. Dad had his camcorder and was recording the whole thing and Mom was smiling ear to ear. They both sang along with huge smiles. Yeah, they loved those things. But that doesn't mean anything. Every parent feels obligated to come and cheer along. But they weren't there just out of obligation. They really enjoyed it. I know because I remember looking at the other parents and they were just checking their watches or staring off into the distance. One lady was doing a crossword puzzle, but mom and dad were living every minute of it. Maybe they snuck some amaretto into the recital. I, I don't know. There's something else. What? When we were driving home that night. Marcy, I can't keep doing this. I said exhausted, but there was a boy there sitting between us. Mom and Dad loved us, I'll give you that, but I don't think they were exactly the type to go snatching up extra kids. No, he said. There was a boy there between us. He had his hand on your shoulder, then he turned to me for a quick second before looking straight ahead and reaching out his arms to Mom and Dad. That's when the screaming stopped. There wasn't anyone else with us that night. A strange boy with us? We would have known about that. There would have been records from the police report. But I keep seeing him, don't you remember? He had his hand on your shoulder. Something about Marcy's conviction made me stop and try to replay the events from the night, but I kept coming up blank. I remember the recital and Dad singing Jingle Bells, but it just goes blank. Seeing Grandma's face in the hospital is the first thing that comes to my mind. He didn't touch me. He touched everyone else but me, she said meekly. 
I was talking with someone and they said that it was meaningful. Well, it's good to talk about these things. You I need said. to get this out there and then maybe you'll stop replaying it in your head all the time. She says she's a medium. God, Marcy, you're not calling her on the phone, are you? Yeah, but it's not like that. It doesn't cost anything. Her name's Samantha. She works the switchboard at the Grand Central. A hotel? Yeah, I was traveling one day, and we just started to talk. I felt guilty about lying to her about wanting to book a suite, so I just came clean and told her everything. The accident, Grandma, living with you. And? <clears throat> I asked, wondering what she was telling the stranger about living with me. She said they don't get too many calls to the switchboard anymore because of computers, so she had a lot of free time. She said I could call her any time I was feeling lonely. So I did, and we got to talking. I get the sense that she also got lonely sometimes. Okay, but what does this have to do with us being up here? She said that the boy was trying to show me something, in my dreams or when I wake up. Sometimes I can't tell the difference, but he's there, taking my hand and leading me to the attic. She said if I wanted to see what he was trying to show me, I'd have to get your help. You know, you could have just told me all of this up front. I said, suddenly annoyed at being manipulated. If I did, do you really think you would have followed through with it all? I don't know. I said, knowing full well I wouldn't have. But can we hurry up? There really are spiders up here. Can you just look through the boxes, she asked. Fine. I said, making my way to the beginning of the stack. These look like Dad's business records. I said, combing the first box, then the second and so on, pages upon pages of green and white striped paper with numbers and odd abbreviations. They moved most of these from his office for legal reasons. Other than the photo albums, I, I don't think there's much else here. We have time, Marcy said. I combed through more boxes while Marcy sat quietly. There really wasn't anything of interest, just accounting records and miscellaneous notes. They all smelled of grease and stale cigarette smoke. I was growing irritated, thinking that Marcy's new friend would have to tell her that she'd be able to find what she was looking for if she'd send some money her way. <laughs> God knows any good con artist would jump at that, but then I saw her holding out her hand. I see it, she said after waving her fingers for a bit. He's here. I don't know if it was the sun beginning to set or the onset of an early autumn, but a chill ran down my spine. What? What do you see? Those boxes over there, she said, waving her hand. Those are just business files. Dad had a lot of records, you know? Behind those, she said. I got up from my knees to a low crouch, standing as tall as the low ceilings would allow me. That's Grandma's chest. I don't think there's anything in there. Just look. I clumsily made my way over to the chest. It was an old French-style chest with narrow drawers. I started with the top, making sure to accentuate the opening and closing of the drawers so Marcy would know I was being thorough. They were all empty, as I suspected, but when I closed the last one, Marcy perked up. Did you hear that? Try pulling it all the way out, she said. There's not room with all the boxes. Then move the boxes. I had no choice but to oblige. I managed to pull the drawer completely away from the dresser, but still nothing. Turn it over, she said, as though she could already see there was something underneath. I clumsily turned the drawer over and immediately saw what she was talking about. On the bottom were taped three envelopes, all worn and yellowed with age. I opened the first. It was a police report. 
We were in an accident, no surprises there, but the second revealed a birth certificate. Theodore Selmer, born March 4th, 1984. The last name was a match, but it didn't ring any bells. Did you know a Theodore? I don't think so, Marcy answered. Wait, Grandpa Teddy? But he died before we were born. Grandma talked about him sometimes. An, easy, an uneasy feeling came over me, but I couldn't help myself. I opened the third envelope to find a death certificate. Theodore Selmore, April 5th, 1988, a month after I was born. I couldn't make sense of it until I looked back to the birth certificate. Mother, Janet Selmer, father, Thomas Selmer. Then the tears came. What is it? Marcy asked, waving her hands to find me. You were right. We had a brother. I knew it she said with tears flowing behind her glasses. We held each other and cried for what felt like forever. It made me realize I had never cried before, not for mom or dad or grandma or Marcy. I'd been angry, sad, depressed, but I'd never let it show or tried not to at any rate. Samantha said we'd find him here and that's why I made you bring me, Marcy said, holding me close. She said that he recognized you, that he was watching out for you. That's why he touched you. Despite what had just happened, I was still fiercely protective of Marcy and couldn't shake the feeling she was being manipulated somehow. I began to cry again, babbling something about missing mom and dad and not remembering my brother, even though I was barely a month old when he passed. It's all right. It's nothing to get upset about. He was the reason they doted on us so much, they were still mourning him. And besides, you're here with me. We have each other. No, you're right. It's okay. I'm not sure if it is okay. She said after some thought. What? Why? Because Samantha said he came back that night to show Mom and Dad the way to the other side. But isn't that comforting that he came back to guide them? You don't understand. Samantha said he's come back for you. Bum, 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 bum. Well, R.I.P. narrator... <laughs> I was going to say, Marcy's not the only one traveling. Yeah, we're all traveling. No, the we're, all tra we're all traveling. <laughs> Why did that one... See, that one was so cathartic and nice and sweet and, like... Uh, I'm not going to say wholesome, necessarily, but it it definitely had a a, a twinge of, of, dare I say, love in there. And then you just had to go in and make it fucking creepy at the end. Oh my god, just just a little uh, dread. A little <laughs> sprinkling of dread as a treat. A little sprinkling of dread just to just to bring some finality to our lives. Just to like really, you know, remind us of what's coming. <laughs> oh, that was I liked that one. I liked I that did, one though. I liked both of them, honestly. Sometimes sometimes Mark really does wait until the last sentence to hit you with it. I don't I, mind, I, obviously. I like a little gotcha. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Just like Marcy it's, was fine. It's the it's the Hitchcock in him that says, you know, what what a twist. <laughs> this is the last one I think of, and I don't. I I remember him saying, at least I think I remember him saying that this one, you know, 
wouldn't wouldn't be as readable on the show i suppose i think marcy travels is fine because it was a it was a conversation mm-hmm. but we're gonna we're gonna have to see this one's just a name and we've read other stories that were just names mm-hmm. for him before so even if even when it's stuff like amazing bill day you know i loved amazing bill day <laughs> god that was so good but then we have the other ones that are just names like fucking anora which i don't mm. like thinking about yeah <laughs> and I kinda that one and uh fucking the the kid uh the kid who floyd <laughs> yes fucking yes. floyd jumping fucking off of fridges floyd. rude <laughs> don't do that in my kitchen you son of a don't bitch fucking do that <laughs> <laughs> that's how you defeat <laughs> that's how you defeat ghosts tell them stop <laughs> that's actually funny that you said that <laughs> <laughs> I'm reading I'm reading a story with um I'm reading a series right now with where am I and uh this this chick got possessed and this dude just walks up and goes shut the fuck up and sit the fuck down and apparently the ghost listened that is literally my favorite fucking trope it's like I said just just, ignore- just tell- I th- and then he says go and then it leaves and I was like I was like okay you could have started with that <laughs> You gotta, you gotta let her know who's boss. You know, I'm gonna level with you. The series we're reading isn't that great, but it's almost funnier to read shit sometimes. I, I like it like that though, you know. And honestly, that's how we I never handle. know here on the show. That's... We never know what's gonna be hit or miss. And even right now, it's not so much the point of the series. I will say, the whole reason we're reading it is because it has real world. Like the part one is a story someone wrote, and the part two is like someone reading the story and being like, "Hey, a lot of this sounds really familiar. I actually think this might have happened in a town near me." And Ooh. like. Yeah, like the real world implication is the reason why we're reading it. And the story is kind of a mess. So we're hoping the real world implication stuff that we haven't read yet actually brings some kind of light to the rest of the narrative. Yeah, it's it's one of the first ones in a while that we're doing something like this. Because um, I don't think the threat originated on uh, No Sleep. Yes. Which is, which is us, you know, once again, branching out into different material. Sorry. The ability to just tell a ghost to fuck off. <laughs> I listen. I firmly believe that ghosts want attention, so you have to either ignore them or tell them to fuck off and then go to bed. I mean, like, that is the it. truth. That is the literal definition of like uh, unfinished business. Treat them like a toddler, and Aww. put them in a locked room by themselves because that's definitely good to do to kids. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's Fair. see. Let's see what Nana is about. Let's do it. Last story for the episode. Last story for, I believe, stories to read alone at night. Shout out. Naina, which is N-E-Y-N-A. Naina, which I think is uh, a name for someone. Perfect. Every town has that house. The one that stood empty for too long. The one children discuss in hushed tones at sleepovers. My town is no different. This particular house has stood vacant for close to 20 years. Those who are brave enough to steal a peek through a dusty window report that it's still furnished, a living monument to the family that abandoned it all those years ago. Only, this house is different. At least to me it is, because I know why it stands vacant after all these years later. I was there the night the terrible events transpired. I've tried to put the past behind me, but... Time has done little to temper those memories. 
The summer was unusually dry that year. By fall, the foothills were set ablaze, blanketing the valleys with ash and a veil of smoke that made it hard to breathe. There was talk of canceling the homecoming game over air quality concerns. I remember Courtney telling me all about it. It must have been a Thursday because she was wearing her cheerleading uniform. My dad said the whole thing was started by those protesters. She said as we raced across a crowded quad. She navigated the crowd by walking in a straight line, confident the other students knew well enough to get out of her way. They camp way up in those trees and smoke pot up there. My dad says you can smell it from a mile away. Why can't they just get jobs like everyone else? Alright, now I'm feeling personally attacked. Yeah, really? <laughs> Courtney's dad worked for the federal government, making them one of the wealthier families in our small town. She even got a new car for her Sweet 16 that stood out like a sore thumb among the beat-up pickup trucks and broken-down sedans in the school parking lot. Can you imagine doing all that just to save some stupid tree? I wanted to remind her that it was really about the owls more than the trees themselves, but decided to save my breath. <laughs> there was no reasoning with her, especially when she began channeling her dad. Growing up in a small town, we were all naturally pro-logging because, well, everyone depended on those jobs, as scarce as they were. But Courtney took it to a whole new level. She was just about to launch into a tirade on how evil the newly elected president was when, bam, she read headlong into a poor girl who hadn't had the good sense to get out of her way. Oh my god! Courtney screamed. The girl must have been carrying a hot lunch because Courtney was covered in what looked to be Salisbury steak and gravy. The poor girl stood wide-eyed and tried to scrape the mess off Courtney's uniform. Don't touch me. Courtney snapped as she recoiled. A semicircle of rubbernecking underclassmen had begun to form around her. I wondered if they were hoping for a fight because Courtney was beet red with anger. Touch me, get away from me, don't even look at me. Courtney stammered, trying to properly express her rage. The girl just stood there, petrified. She must have been new because I didn't recognize her. She had thin blonde hair, ragged clothes that draped her boyish frame. It was an odd sight, even for our school, where hand-me-downs were the norm. Are you? Courtney demanded. The girl reeled, trying to speak, but unable to get words out. On second thought, never mind. Just go away. Go away, I said. Don't even look at me. The girl turned, paused, as if part of a dare. She grabbed a piece of spilled bread from the ground and took off running. The other students began laughing, and... Before Courtney had a chance to react, I grabbed her by the arm and marched her to the locker room. Here, these should fit, I said, taking a spare outfit I had in my locker. You always said pink was your color. She had also said that it made me look sickly, but I decided to let that one go for now. Finally cleaning up a bit and presentable, she regained her composure. Was that girl? She asked bitterly, but I told her I didn't know. How can you not know? You know everyone in this stinkhole. That was true. Not because I was popular or anything, but because I came from a big family. Two brothers, three sisters, which meant that they were always people coming and going from our house. Besides, it was a small town, and there just weren't that many people to know. You must be new here. Probably just some hill trash. Did you see what she was wearing? Courtney said, still trying to soothe herself. I'm going to make her pay for this. She'll see. I tried to calm her, telling her that it was an accident, and 
when that didn't work, she just said. Oh, she was just hill trash. Just hill trash. Trash. <laughs> just like, like she had said, not worth the trouble. The latter seemed to assuage her damaged ego. Anyways, my dad's got some big conference in Portland this weekend, and he's taking my mom. So do you want to spend the night tomorrow? Her parents traveled often, and she'd always ask me to come stay with her, and I welcomed the break from my hectic house. And I think her parents always felt better knowing I was around. I guess they figured things wouldn't get too out of hand if I was there. When I arrived at her house that Friday evening, everything seemed to be back to normal. Courtney had me drop my backpack and sleeping bag on the floor next to her bed. Their house had several rooms, each with spare beds, but she always insisted that I sleep on the floor. She maintained that her parents didn't want to fuss with cleaning the sheets, but it always made me feel like I wasn't completely welcome in their home. It was like a universal, like, teenage girl experience. I feel like every girl, person who grew up as a girl that I know, like, had this awful fucking friend when they were, like, 14 <laughs> to 15 who was just a dick to them. And if they didn't have that friend, it's because they were the friend. What's funny about me growing up is even my, like, I I definitely had a, always had a spare bed in my room because I, I first shared a, a room with my brother when I was little. And mm -hmm. then I just liked having two beds in my room because I would sometimes lay on one and then sleep in the other. Mm -hmm. And I just always had people stay over. But, like, my sister, even her room, she had, it was much smaller. She had a trundle that would come out of the bottom. Mm -hmm. So that her, if she had a friend stay over, they would be sleeping on like an actual mattress. So if you were staying over at my house, you were never sleeping on the floor unless you chose to. Yeah. Which, which is like high school times when we were all just huddled in the basement. Some people would sleep on the couch. Some people would sleep on the floor. But um, yeah, we, we had uh, we would always have because I, I also shared a room with my sister. Um, and so we would like just blow up an air mattress in the living room. And we would I just like think sleep. of any actual friends growing up that I was forced to sleep on the floor unless we were in like a different room that we all just wanted yeah. to sleep together in. We always just shared the bed. Like if, if the bed was big enough, we would just share the bed. And if it wasn't, there was almost always like an air mattress or something, well, or it would be like, well, us little boys with our sense of our sensitive uh, small yes, penises, yes. we, we of course could not share the bed because that would mean we were homosexual. Right, of course. In yeah. which case, my best friend is homosexual, and I've shared the bed with him numerous times, and it's <laughs> never been a fucking problem. It never, it, you you didn't catch it. <laughs> I didn't catch it. I'm safe. I'm okay. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> anyway, you could take the pizza line. Pizza's on its way. <laughs> she said as we made our way downstairs. There were plates and sodies waiting at the kitchen table. I went to open a sodi when something caught my eye. Oh no. A Ouija board. Still in its box. Oh, it's just something for later. No, please, dear God, no. <laughs> oh, God. Right, well, Courtney said with a smirk. Perhaps. Courtney soon, I think. <laughs> yeah, I know. Perhaps it was my Catholic upbringing or the time Courtney made me play Bloody Mary at a sleepover some years earlier but she turned out the lights and chanted Bloody Mary come and get us only to scare me by producing a paper mache head that she made in art class when I <laughs> this is pretty good actually I love it <laughs> when I saw the third head reflecting in the mirror I ran home crying and vowed never speak to her again an oath I obviously didn't keep 
You know I don't go for that sort of thing, I told her. And Courtney just smiled. Oh, relax. I bought it at a toy store. You don't really think it can hurt you, do you? Oh, who who made Ouija boards? Who 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 uh, listed those fucking Parker Brothers or something? Yeah. <laughs> oh God, the the entertaining the devil. Yeah, let's do it. Before I could answer, there was a knock at the door. Let me see the pizza. You don't mind getting the tip, do you? She always insisted that she didn't have any small bills, and she knew I didn't like handouts, so it was my way to contribute for something. Okay. Uh, one large, one extra large supreme, hold the sausage, hold the pepperoni, Denny said as he handed the pizza over. He graduated a year earlier and always made sure he picked up Courtney's route when she called. So, like, what do you two girls have planned for tonight? All alone? Ew. Again? He said, inching his way in. And Courtney grabbed the pizza curtly. None of your business. <laughs> Let me know if you need a man to come by and check on you later. He said, leering his way in. We need a man, you'd be the last person we'd call Denny. <laughs> she answered, her eyes trailing past Denny. Standing on the porch behind him was a familiar face, but it took me a minute to place her. It was the girl from the other day, the one that Courtney nearly ran over in the quad. Good, you made it. I didn't know if you'd be able to follow my directions. Courtney said, her eyes lighting up with a mischievous glow. The girl was wearing the same tattered clothes as the day before and carried a worn-out bedspread and plastic shopping oh. bag. Denny shot me an inquisitive look, but all I could do was shrug in response. Don't just stand there. Come in, come in. Courtney said. We're going to have so much fun tonight. The girl looked at her shoes, second-guessing the invitation. It's okay. Megan's here, too. Besides, we have pizza. The offer of pizza made the girl's face light up. Oh, I almost forgot. Megan, don't be rude. Tip the poor driver. I handed Denny a couple of dollars that he accepted with a curious look. Once inside, it was impossible not to notice just how ragged the girl looked and how strongly she smelled. It was a cloying odor of rotting fruit and cheap air freshener. It was Ooh. overwhelming, but Courtney seemed to ignore it. Instead, she again thanked the girl for coming on such short notice. I tried to get Courtney's attention, but she was going out of her way to not make eye contact. You remember my friend Megan, right? Courtney said. And Megan, I want you to meet my new friend. I'm sorry, I'm so hungry, I can't think of your name. The girl looked at the floor and mumbled something. I'm sorry, I didn't catch that. You'll have to speak up. Nana, the girl said. At least it sounded like Nana. She spoke so softly I couldn't quite hear it. It's a funny way of saying Nina. Nina. Oh, okay. Courtney said, dispelling any doubts I'd had about tonight going smoothly. I was feeling so bad about the way I acted the other day that I invited Nina over as a goodwill gesture. Don't you just hate starting out on the wrong foot with someone? I nodded in agreement and sort of half-waved to Courtney's new friend. I knew she was lying. Courtney wasn't one to apologize, and she would never invite, quote-unquote, one of the poors, as she called them, over to the house. I have small talk. Let's eat. She set the pizza down, and we all grabbed a slice, but before I could even set mine down on the plate, Nana devoured hers in one long, eager bite. She licked the grease from her fingers without the slightest hint of self-consciousness and then sat silently staring at the open box. 
wow, and I thought I was hungry. Please Courtney have another. Said, yeah. Please have as much as you like. Nana looked up, still unsure if Courtney was being genuine. Please eat. Courtney assured her, nudging the box toward the girl. Nana snatched the box and began devouring the pizza. I was half disgusted by the sight and half afraid that the girl would choke. Flecks of grease and crumbs went flying as she went on to eat the entire pie. Yeah. She scraped the box with her hands, picking up every last bit of dropped topping and didn't stop until every morsel had been accounted for. Neither Courtney nor I had taken a single bite of ours. In unison, we pushed our plates towards her and she greedily accepted them and greedily descended upon them. Apparently satisfied, she looked up and wiped the grease from her face with a dirty shirt sleeve. Well, you certainly have a healthy appetite. Wish I could eat like you and keep my figure. Courtney said, still unfazed by what we just witnessed. But I gain weight just thinking about food. The sights and sounds and smells were overwhelming. I excused myself to the restroom, worried that I might throw up. I washed my hands and tried to breathe. I was unnerved by what I had just seen and wanted to go home. I still didn't know what Courtney had planned, but I knew her well enough to know that I didn't want any part of it. I dried my hands and tried to think of an excuse to leave, but it was interrupted by a knock at the door. Okay, in there? It was Courtney, and I opened the door to see her standing there, smiling ear to ear. Aren't you going to come out and join in on the fun? What are you up to? I asked. You don't have to prove anything to that girl, you know. I said I was trying to prove something. Besides, she's enjoying herself. Come see. I followed Courtney back to the table and the pizza was gone and in its place Courtney had laid out a spread of leftover Chinese food in those characteristic paper cartons. Nana was so busy eating she didn't even raise her head to acknowledge our presence. Are you getting enough, sweetie? I swear your bottom was pit. At this point, Nana stopped and raised her head and her mouth too full to speak. She looked us over as she chewed and foisted a handful of noodles into her mouth without so much as an answer. She continued stuffing her face until every last bit was gone and again wiped her mouth on her sleeve. Why don't we take a break and play a game? Courtney said at last. You like games, Nina? Nana gave a lazy nod. Good, because I bought this one especially for tonight. It's an old slumber party game. Courtney pushed the Ouija board to the center of the table and unwrapped it. She laid the board on the table and set the planchette in the center. Do you know what it is? Nana looked the board over and nodded again. It's a talking it's board, she answered. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It Courtney answered empathetically. Sorry. It allows you to sorry, my bad. It allows you to reach out and touch someone on the other side. Do you want to play? Courtney, you know how I feel about all these sorts of things, I said. God, Megan, relax already. You're not afraid, are you, Nina? Nana shook her head. Good, then let's play. Courtney said, placing her hands on the planchette. Come on, Megan. You know it doesn't really work with just one person, and besides, they say a virgin really gets the attention of the other side. I don't know why. Yes, you do. Yes, but her do. words stung. I apprehensively placed my hands on the planchette. Good. Nina, come complete this circle. Nana moved to place a finger on the planchette, but before she could touch it, it flew from under my hands and against the wall. 
The flimsy plastic reverberated against the hardwood as it settled. Odd, the spirits must be active tonight. Courtney said as she picked up the planchette and again placed it on the board. She placed a heavy hand on the planchette and again invited me to follow suit. Nina, let's try that again. Come complete the circle. She said melodramatically. Nana again went to poke at the planchette, and again it flew across the table, this time knocking over a vase that was sitting on a bookcase at the other side of the room. Nana tucked her hands under her legs and looked down as if a bit ashamed. I shot Courtney a look, but she just shrugged. Never seen that happen before. Let's try it one more time. She said to which Nana just mumbled, It's not gonna work, not that one. Oh, why not? They don't want to talk, Nana said flatly. Nothing you can do if they don't want to talk. We had our fun, why don't we just call it a night, I suggested, hoping Courtney would call off her charade, but she was unfazed. Well? Well, if they're shy, we'll just keep calling until they're forced to answer. Works with telemarketers. Courtney got up and walked over to where the planchette had crashed. Where did it go? I don't see it. Confused, she went to pick up the fallen vase with a shriek. This is real crystal, she said, holding up a cracked vase. It wasn't until she walked closer that she saw the source of the shriek. A trickle of blood ran down her fingers. They said they don't want to talk, Nana said in her casual drawl. Best leave it be. Courtney was livid. Nobody hangs up on me like that. Angrily. I want to talk and I'm not taking no for an answer. I think you need to bandage that finger, I said, hoping to change the subject. Don't you have a first aid kit? Courtney studied her hand and finally agreed. Yeah, it's in the medicine cabinet. And then her eyes lit up. That's where we saw Bloody Mary, isn't it, Megan? She turned to Nana. It's true. We summoned her and she came and she was so terrifying that Megan ran home crying. Isn't that right, Megan? A chill ran through my spine. That was a long time ago, Courtney. We were just kids. See? It's true. Do you want to see Nina? Nana again just shrugged, seemingly apathetic to the whole ordeal. I thought you said there was more food. She finally answered. Just leave her alone and let her eat, I said. I think the blood loss is affecting your judgment. Let's see if she's still there or not, okay? Then we can eat. Nana. She implored. Did I mention we had dessert? Nana picked up with pleading eyes. Two big cartons of ice cream and anything else you want to eat. But first we just have to see if she's still there in the mirror. Nana nodded and they both stood up and began walking toward the bathroom. What's wrong, Megan? You're not afraid, are you? I was. I wanted to go home. <laughs> but I didn't feel right leaving that girl alone with Courtney, or maybe even vice versa. I'm not afraid, I finally answered. I just don't think this is a good idea. Relax, we're just having some fun, right, Nina? Nana gave an ambivalent shrug. Fine, I said. But after this, she gets her ice cream and whatever else she wants. I said, trying to bargain on the poor girl's behalf. Anything she wants, Courtney answered. 
The three of us walked to the bathroom, and once inside, Courtney wrapped a tissue around her bleeding finger and lit a small tea candle. She turned off the light, and the room was filled with a faint glow of the candle. Bloody Mary, come and get us! Bloody Mary, come and get us! Bloody Mary, come and get us! Courtney began to chant emotively. Her acting was so bad that I had to suppress a laugh. It's not going to work, Nana finally said. You're doing it wrong. What do you mean this isn't how you summon Bloody Mary? She's the wife of the devil and she loves Megan's virgin blood. Nana shook her head. Don't tell me the line's busy again. Courtney snapped impatiently. She'll come if you compel her, but not like that. Then compel her. As quick of a flash, Nana snatched Courtney's hand and scrawled a backwards C bisected by a diagonal line on the mirror with the bloody finger with a clear voice she said lady of darkness lady of night sweet lady find us tonight she'll follow the blood nana said just don't tell her i'm here with that she turned and left the bathroom closing the door behind her psycho courtney said nursing her hand she trailed on but her voice suddenly sounded as though she were at the far end of a tunnel I felt her hand close tightly around mine and followed her gaze to the mirror. I saw our reflections. We both looked shaken by what had just happened. Then something else caught my attention. Another face appeared between ours, rising slowly behind us and coming into focus. It was obscured by a dark veil that faded in and out as the tea light wavered and cast a long shadow across the cramped room. I could feel... A quick breath against the nape of my neck as the candle flickered and died, leaving us in complete darkness. Yeah. I squeezed Courtney's hand and tried desperately to think of a prayer, any prayer, but my mind was frozen in fear. I grabbed Courtney's hand as hard as I could and digging in my heels pulled her with me as I lunged out of the room, only something stopped me. It felt as though something had grabbed Courtney and pulled her back with such a force that I crashed to the floor just outside the bathroom and the door slammed violently behind me. Courtney! Courtney! I screamed as I pushed on the door. I banged on the door and pleaded, but it was no use. I frantically ran back to the kitchen to find Nana seated at the table with two cartons of ice cream in front of her, and she was again eating voraciously and paid me no attention. What did you do to her? I pleaded. You have to help. And Nana stopped, annoyed that I interrupted her feast. Only did what she asked, she answered. They're calling for you now. I followed mm. her eyes to the Ouija board, and the planchette was sitting in the middle of the board, vibrating and pulsating all on its own, as if begging to be handled. I stepped back, trying to keep a safe distance between the, both the board and Nana. You have to help her. She didn't know what she was doing, I pleaded. Nothing to be done, Nana answered. She turned her attention back to the ice cream. You can't leave her in there, I said. Nana didn't respond. Desperate and emboldened, I raised my voice. Nana, you need to leave. You need to leave now. You didn't invite me, she scoffed, heading back to the kitchen. She began rummaging through the cupboards when I remembered what she had said earlier. I didn't invite you, but if you don't help me, I'm going to go back and tell whatever it is you summoned that you're here. Nana stopped and turned her attention to me. You know her, don't you? 
or rather she knows you. Nana's eyes widened with fear. I'm going to tell her that Nana was the one who summoned her. That Nana is out here waiting. Just then I heard the bathroom door open and an intense orange light emanated from the bathroom hallway, casting a crooked silhouette across the room. Something was coming. I just wanted something to eat, Nana said, grabbing a box of cookies and hightailing it out the door. The light intensified, magnifying the silhouette as it traveled across the walls of the room in jerky motions. I saw a wizened arm reach from the hallway and plant itself palm down on the carpeting then another then the crest of a veiled head and the creature slowly began to crawl into the living room not knowing what else to do I followed Nana's lead and hightailed it out of the house it was dark outside and quiet and the air smelled of smoke I stopped at the edge of the lawn there was no sign of Nana or anyone else for that matter turning to the house I saw the last few flickers of orange light ebb and wane through the open front door until the house at least appeared dark and silent. I wanted to run home, but knew that I'd never forgive myself for leaving Courtney in there alone. Strengthening my resolve, I turned and headed back to the house. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, Creator, I whispered, hoping to find strength in prayer. But before I could reach the porch, I looked up to find something obscuring the doorway. I squinted through the darkness, trying to make out what it was. Courtney, is that you? I asked softly, stopping myself at the edge of the porch. And there was no answer. Courtney! I strained my eyes. <laughs> I wasn't more than ten feet away, but still could not make out what was standing in the door. And then I realized that it couldn't have been Courtney. It was much too tall to be Courtney, or even a person for that matter. My blood ran cold and the prayer escaped my lips. I believe in God, the Father Almighty Creator. Whatever it was in the doorway must have heard me because it retreated back into the house, closing the door behind it. The lights began to dance again, brighter this time in hues of blue and red. It took me a moment to realize they were coming from the street. A, a patrol car pulled up beside the house. The winds have turned, we're evacuating the whole ridge, an officer said. I nodded in disbelief. Are you alone? I shook my head. There's someone in the house, I said. They need help. All right, we've got it, the officer said. And he turned to his partner and they exited the car and headed to the door. I couldn't bear to find out what they would encounter in the house. I wanted to warn them, but I didn't know what to say. And beside, I thought... They were the police. They would know what to do. I, on the other hand, decided that the best course of action was to run home and hide under the safety of my covers. A couple of days later. <laughs> I was going to say, is that you in this situation? Yes. <laughs> I never would have done that shit in the first place. So you would have been gone before Nana even started talking. <laughs> nope. A couple of days later, the local paper reported that two police officers had died of smoke inhalation due to the local wildfires. God damn it, you got the cops killed too. I never saw Courtney again after that. Or Nana for that matter. Homecoming came and went without the school star cheerleader. And then one early Wednesday, her family loaded up their car and headed out of town without so much of a word to the rest of us. I kept waiting for an explanation. 
A phone call, gossip, a police inquiry, but none of it came. To the rest of the town, she just moved, and there was nothing more to it. The years passed, I went to community college only to find that it wasn't for me. I got engaged, called it off, drifted between dead-end jobs. I was haunted by anxiety, a sometimes distant but never absent fear that Courtney would look me up and hold me accountable, or something else would come back to finish what we started in the bathroom that night, and for years I went without a proper night's sleep. Finally, some ten years later, I woke from a restless sleep and decided to face it once and for all. I dressed and drove to Courtney's old house. It hadn't changed. It was still the lone house on the hill. The developer was supposed to build an entire community across that ridge, but went bankrupt due to lack of sales. Large new homes just weren't in demand, and not on a logger's salary. Hmm. I knocked on the door just to make sure the house was empty, and when nobody answered, I let myself in through a front window. The house was dusty, but it barely changed. I walked slowly, armed with only a flashlight, and my resignation that if something was still there, then it might as well find me. I called out into the darkness, but there was no answer. Upstairs, I found the sleeping bags and backpack that I brought with me that night. I decided to bring the pack with me. It was odd, seeing Courtney's room the way it had been all those years ago, all staged for her to enter and comb her hair at her vanity or browse a gossip magazine, all the time we spent up there whiling away the hours the way teenagers do. Our friendship was never exactly warm, but seeing the room like that made me miss her. It made me miss my old, carefree, and innocent self. I was making my way back out of the house when a heavy feeling stopped me. I knew why I had returned, and that I would never put any of this to rest if I didn't face it for myself. I made my way back into the house toward the bathroom where it all happened. Bits of garbage, food wrappers shone under the flashlight as I walked, and once there, I was surprised to find the door locked, especially since... It could only be locked from inside. I dug my shoulder into the door and forced the knob until it gave. The door gave way easier than I had anticipated, causing me to fall into the room. I jumped to my feet, ready to fight off some unseen assailant, but everything was quiet. Undisturbed, the rest of the house, it was only when my flashlight shone against the mirror that my fears were realized. There was no reflection. Instead, a large tarp had been nailed to the wall covering the mirror. Hello? A voice said from the other side of the tarp, sounding like Courtney. I froze and held my breath. Ryan, I knew you'd come for me. The voice said. I could feel my pulse racing in my temples. I knew you wouldn't leave me. Now uncover the mirror and... Uncover the mirror, Megan, and we'll finish our sleepover. My mind raced to the events of the evening. Nana, the face in the mirror, the ghastly silhouette. Let me out. The voice hissed, only this time it wasn't Courtney's. My blood ran cold. Again, I turned and ran away, just as I had done all those years earlier. Yeah, that that's some Bloody Mary shit. I don't fuck around with that shit, nah, dude. Yeah, no, no. No, 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 no. I tried doing some research into what exactly happened that night, but when it comes to the paranormal, there aren't exactly many answers. 
The only real lead I had came from the local historical society, and it seems that when the town was first settled, the reports from the local fairies that would disguise themselves as people and wander into town asking for food or a place to sleep for the night. These reports were always accompanied by reports of missing livestock, sometimes even children. These could be attributed to the superstitions of the day, people blaming their misfortune on the supernatural, or they could be something else entirely. As far as I can figure, the fire drove something out of the hills all those years ago, and Courtney invited it in. I think about that sometimes, when I go to visit the house. When times get tough, I often find myself parked out front with a bottle. And when times are dire, I look to the windows as I drink. I look for signs of life, or signs that I had imagined the whole thing. And sometimes, I look for an invitation. Oof. What a what a number to go out on. That was good. That was real good. That was that really a lot. good. That struck me as a uh, like a creep show segment. I would like yeah, to no, see that, that adapted great. into like a little a little mm. movie. I like love a YouTube like a YouTube horror short. I have a special place in my heart for people who just you know don't know what they're doing and they just invite stuff in because you know I would never do that. So it's fun to see someone else. Think. Have you seen the trailer for that new horror film, uh, Talk to Me? Yes. Yes, actually, yeah. I have. Yeah. So YouTube, YouTube kids uh, known for doing like prank videos and like, uh, like, I don't know, fucking like contest videos, like co competitions with one another. They make a horror movie using a bunch of unknown actors, probably friends or whatever. Mm -hmm. and um film it a couple i would say over the last couple of years and um submit it to a horror film circuit mm -hmm. immediately gets picked up by a24 and distributed for wide theatrical release good for them that's what i said and and then you know that touches on the same topic as the kid who's been doing most of the videos for the back rooms um mm -hmm. I, I think i mentioned it on another episode already but you know uh this 17 year old kid who just makes stuff on YouTube got contacted by a 24 again, wonderful mm. art house horror company um, to develop a backrooms movie, maybe even in the same first person perspective. Mm -hmm. um, and like, what a, what a fucking, what a fucking world we live yeah. in where a 17 year old is making a full length feature, you know, about the backrooms liminal space um, for a 24 and oh, in the I interview, it. it's like <laughs> someone asked him like, when, when are you going to be filming? And he's like, Oh, on my summer break. <laughs> oh baby. It's just so funny. Baby. I, <laughs> what a way to get into the industry though. I think like now more than ever, I think of like uh, the guy who did uh, Shazam one and two, like yeah, he yeah, started yeah. out doing horror movies on, youtube um like the lights out short that eventually got turned into a movie um i think he's going back to horror too which is cool because i think he's pretty good at it um but yeah like now more than ever anyone can break into that shit like we were talking mm -hmm. about um skinnamarink in our group yeah, chat yeah. and like that's another one like a dude a dude made a half an hour short film on um youtube called heck and I'm then, the and then he went and did 
that movie, which is just like a uh, two-hour-long version of the movie, heck. <laughs> so I love it. Any, you, like, you could you could do anything now. Like if you I mean, if you have the creativity and you have the time and you have the the skills, you can make you can make YouTube horror shit work. Mm-hmm. Again, it's funny because analog. I think we talked a little bit about analog we horror did. last time, yeah? yeah. And it's it's so popular now too. Like people are really getting into it. I'm into I wonder it. if it's I wonder if it's because you know how we talked about like you know fear of the unknown and shit like that earlier. I wonder mm-hmm. if it's because you know to to kids now or to like you know teenagers now or Gen Z or whatever. I know some people would consider me to be part of Gen Z, like at the very top of sure. it. But yeah. uh, it's I, I wonder if it's because you know those kinds of technologies are so uh, like alien yeah. in some ways yeah. to some of them. Unknown. Yeah, yeah. It was such a it was such a the stuff that we grew up with is so obsolete now that it might as well just be like alien technology. Exactly. Like it's just, you know, creepy. And it's also, you know, it's, it's, I'm wondering if it's kind of getting the similar, but like, you know, how everyone's always, I mean, we even had a Victorian house in uh, the duplex that we read earlier, you know, like it's like, Oh, creepy grandfather claw, creepy, uh, you know, candelabras, Victorian houses. I wonder if we're going to start seeing that with like nineties bullshit. Yeah. (laughs) And I but would also like say that it's also probably inspired by when when they were kids and when things were creepy to them, there were things that they couldn't understand that have mm-hmm. probably left an impression on them. Like, yeah. like, you know, it could be something as simple as the blue screen of a VCR player with a, with yeah. a, with a clock on it, you know, just kind of hissing. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, yeah, I mean, Poltergeist had the fucking TV static. The TV static, right. Yeah. Which it was terrifying. Yeah, analog horror is very accessible, and I think, you know, it's it's just as accessible as someone writing bullshit, you know, no sleep stories on the internet, you know, um, so you know, there's if uh, if people can write fucking, you know, full length books and get published on no sleep now, you know, mm-hmm. the same the same people are going to YouTube and making, uh, analog horror you know, shorts and and getting picked up by studios. What, what a world we live in. It's, it's nice. You know, I'm glad you said that actually, because that is really nice and kind of encouraging. I mean, that's part of why I started writing my fucking romance novel because like self-publishing is becoming such a like valid way. It's an easy, it's easier to do now more than ever. Mm -hmm. It is. And I mean, granted, it's like, yeah, you're responsible. And it's the same for making a movie. It's like, yeah, you're responsible for everything, which is difficult and takes a lot of time and money. Um, but you know, it's, it's a really very viable way to get your shit out there. And it's nice that we have those kinds of opportunities because I, it's, it's interesting because I feel like, you know, back in the day, you used to be able to just roll up into a studio, like, you know, meet the guy in the elevator and be like, no, I have a great movie. Right. And people would genuinely pick it up. And then, but then for the last like decade or two, we've had this pretty shitty wave of pretty much you know only big box kind of things Uh being viable Uh but it seems like with the internet becoming so commonplace and people kind of like starting to seek out well the internet made everything invaluable so right exactly but now that like it's you know like everyone has the internet now you know it's not like in fucking 2005 where like some people had it some people didn't like you know you could go to a fucking what is it an internet cafe if you needed to and stuff like that yeah, I, I don't really remember those, but I did have my local public library because I was a poor kid with no internet. Mm. 
so we had that but you know now everybody everybody and their mom has the fucking internet i mean like even even cell phones right which is great it's nice i feel like we're getting i i hope that it doesn't go away uh because you know fucking corporate capitalist bullshit but i really like that it's really nice i'm glad you brought that up that actually made me very happy yeah i mean people can really make cool stuff now and it can get picked up because i think you got picked up super easy you know yeah back in the day even even movies that were being released like Mm to get lambasted by critics like now have a cult following the, right. the you know it makes you think like if that movie had just been shelved for 20 years and if it came out later wouldn't it have been better received by a, a much later actual audience and it's hard to say whether or not that's actually the case but nowadays I've, like i said everything is so uh you know tangentially on our, at our fingertips that i think if you make a lasting enough impression, people notice. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even with something like this podcast, as an example, like we, we've come a long way in the years that we've, we've gotten, you know, we've been doing this, but that like, is very true. we literally started with nothing. So to say that we have like millions of hits now is like pretty fucking cool. Um, okay. You know, it's, it's it's the the small little connections you make and it's the right time right place mentality where mm-hmm. if you put enough work into something and you put it up uh online someone's going to notice mm-hmm. so like the the better the product the more weird the product the more kind of out there the product is but how professionally mm-hmm. developed it can be you know right. people people notice the work that you put into it like uh kane kane the guy who the the kid who does the backroom stuff like he didn't create the backrooms i i know the the people who created the backrooms like the scp kind of idea of what the backrooms is like earlier in the internet days like mm-hmm. i know they're probably sitting there rolling their eyes kind of going like but we were the ones who created it well like yeah right. you're the ones who created it but this is this kid is the reason it's known you right know, this exactly. this kid put the work into what you just had as words you just had words and this kid turned it into a multimedia feeling not just a presence not just a a context but a but a Mm -hmm. feeling and made it an actual thing and he is reaping the rewards for the work that he put into it the truth is like now we are at a more accessible time frame than we've ever been in. So mm-hmm. if you have the means to get something out there to make a voice for yourself or to, to share what you think is, you know, whatever has value to you, um, hey. now's the time to share it. And like f- for horror more specifically, like horror again is this ever evolving concept where now we're kind of hitting our stride. Like you said, with, liminal and analog horror Mm -hmm. and we're just like we're just dipping our toe into that and it has the possibility to kind of honestly really open up the floodgates to what could be a whole new like movement when you think about it because it's like the the skinnamarink of 20 years ago was Blair Witch Project like oh yeah you're right you know that one wasn't the first first person nor mockumentary style film to exist but it was the most impactful like no one wanted to watch cannibal holocaust people wanted to watch uh uh, the blair witch project so like 
look at everything that's come post Blair Witch Project, even the the clover fields and the paranormal activities, like so many different directions that's gone in. Now that mm-hmm. something like Skinnamarink is in the public sphere, look at how many other directions we're now going to go with that as a kind of starting point or or something as uh you know, ubiquitous as the backrooms. Like what is that going to inspire? And I'm I'm excited it. for it. I'm here for it. I am too. I'm here and for it, all you know, of it. I am too. And you know, it's funny, the backrooms is also it's so popular right now. People love the fucking backrooms. Like yeah. they absolutely love it. And I've always been a huge fan of like, you know, liminal Strike while it's hot, too. Yeah, it's just... Strike while it's hot, because only right now am I kind of getting disappointed that (laughs) something like Slender Man, like, ten years Mm -hmm. ago wasn't give, you know, wasn't given the time that that it deserved. Like, there should have been... There should have been this, that, and the other Slender Man movies going back to the early 2000s that really could have, you know, done the same type of analog shit and, and didn't because main studios were fucking it up for everyone else. And like, I'll also add to, to an effect in the same exact sentence. Like it's, it's a shame that only now like backrooms is like huge when all of this other shit, you know, is kind of being passed up in the same, uh, the same kind of sentence. Like I would love for, if Backrooms is, is popular right now, like if we got some more of that Mandela shit going yes, around, like, yeah, some like I know, I know it has a bigger presence on TikTok and Instagram and all these other mm-hmm. like individual like fields, but like, let's get someone who could put a really good like feature feature length picture together. Like let's get someone who can actually like make a full fucking movie with that f- type of feeling. Like Please. we deserve it. I'm really into that. I'm really into that. I would love for that to happen. Um, but yeah, like even, even just more, more recent examples of, of horror that, that could just go in so many different directions. Like we, I'm, I'm here for it. That's all I'm saying. I'm here for it. I'd love to see, um, the, the kid who, the kid who watches Skinnamarink at age 16 and then goes to film school with that in the back of his mind and, and wants to, you know, leave their lasting impression on the industry and they make something like it, but different, you know, I want to mm-hmm. see what those kids come up with. Like, I want to see the next evolution from the people who grew up with that shit. Cause Me that's, too. cause that's how we get some, some cool and weird stuff. Really? And it's also, I mean, just like we talked about earlier, it's a really great way for us to all connect with each other. I mean, there's something that we all relate to with that kind of, uh, you know, with that kind of terror. Like there is that familiar feeling of seeing something that should be normal, but isn't, you know, something that should, something, you know, but you realize you don't. It dates back to the same exact shit that I liked when I was growing up, which is, Mm -hmm. you know, favorite, favorite probable movie of all time. The Thing, John Carpenter. Yeah, yeah. It's the other, it's the unknown, it's alien, it's nightmarish, it's, it, it looks human, and then right when you're there, it's not. And, you know, it's, it's a more monstrous example. You could be mm-hmm. more subtle about it now when we're talking about our, our It Follows, you know. Oh, God, yeah. Um, in, in comparison, same type of vibe, same type of paranoia, but, like, you know, there are different ways to take it, and... 
you know i have to, I have to i'm gonna have to think about that because it's funny uh i'm like you know i'm a huge fucking baby everything scares me but the older i get the more into horror i get and yeah. i'm like one thing that i find about myself is that i'm you're welcome really by the way down. yes thank you <laughs> i'm really into video like horror video games oh, like yeah. those same fucking love them i'm all about it same i can't handle most horror movies even to date i still can't handle them like they fuck me up i get so fucking freaked out <laughs> and i love them though i love knowing what's gonna happen but when i watch the movie it's a 50 50 shot as to whether or not i can actually <laughs> and most of the time i can't but it's just so it's just so exciting to see what people are gonna come up with and my kind of horror is also like uh i feel like my what like my perfect horror movie is like somewhere between like a liminal space kind of thing like we were talking about mm -hmm. but with a really nice healthy helping of some fucking like horrific like body horror bullshit yeah <laughs> i yeah. love that shit. that's why i'm so excited for the fucking uh the new silent hill game i was gonna that say trailer. let me see if i can think of anything oh. that's up that alley that trailer um, the, the trailer for that with the fucking plants growing out of the pores of the skin like that's my shit yeah it's so gross and i always I, I it's funny because i always go uh i always go for the word gooey yeah and that's like it's like a compliment gooey. and also an expression of horror <laughs> oh it is it it's is just, it's you know a good old-fashioned gooey ass movie that's how i describe I cocaine mean, bear the the like horror term is melting actually yeah. like the idea that flesh melts you yeah. know uh <laughs> if you haven't seen the 88 uh adaptation of the blob ah uh, yes yes i actually the way, it, the way it like even it even melts a fucking kid halfway through that movie <laughs> like it's fucking great um to see what lines people will draw like there's so many horror movies that like won't kill kids and then there are so many that are like we draw kick this kid in this yeah it is fun to see where, it, and and you don't think that that goes back, and then you go back and you see something as early as eighty eight, and you're like, oh no, they were they were fucking killing kids. <laughs> oh yeah, no, they'll they'll kill kids. They're like, oh no, they'll I have a kill gun. Kids, you just have to look for them. They're um, like, no, I actually have a gun pointed at this toddler. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen King's like over here, like hold my beer. Um, it's like not only did I kill kids, I actually did many worse things. <laughs> right. <laughs> I do cocaine. <laughs> oh man. Um yeah, it's it's always fun to talk about the ever evolving industry and and where it may go, specifically in the in the realm of storytellers and seeing where, where things go on our end, you know, as as a humble as a humble podcast that's been around for a couple of years, you know, we're just we're the commentators, we're the we're the lovers, you know, we're the ones who sit by and watch all this stuff happen. And maybe, you know, maybe at some point we'll choose to act and throw our hands in the ring. I I, I wanted to allude to that at least a little bit. Um because of what I've, I'm pretty sure I've told you that I'll talk about again after after we're done recording. But, you know, I have some ideas about how we can do stuff like that. And, you know, I always try to think of, of more stuff that we can do on the show to kind of um, inject our own creativity and storytelling. You know, last episode, uh, you know, a parent of, of <laughs> that exact topic. But, um... Yeah, you know, thank thank you to everyone for sticking with us, and thank you to 
uh, Mark at One Page Wonder and Stories to Read Alone at Night for uh, continuing to put out awesome stories for all of us to read. Um, I'm sure if he were here, he would be like, ah, they're just okay. But like, he's a humble motherfucker. So give him, give him the credit where the credit is due. Absolutely. Happy to do that. Happy to do that. Any shout outs you want to, you want to leave any, any final messages for the audience? Um, uh, don't give any, don't give ghosts attention and, uh, fuck <laughs> and I guess that's it. That's <laughs> yeah. Just don't give, you know, I'm, I'll, I'll double down and say, don't, don't give anything much more attention than what it deserves. Mm-hmm. And I'll say, if it's that shadow that's been sitting in the corner of your room, just kind of watching you. And then when you like turn to realize it's not really there, just don't give it the attention when, when you re- when it's in the, your peripherals, just, yeah. just ignore it. just ignore it and it'll go away on its own uh without Uh, repercussions exactly in other in other news i'm starting a motivational podcast where i just tell people to tell ghosts to fuck off (laughs) it's like a motivational speaker except way worse and even more useless what's what's the what's this what's the uh what's the podcast called get out of here yeah uh go absolutely not is the name of the podcast (laughs) absolutely not i love it door on everything that i don't like a different supernatural entity or experience covered on every episode same yep. answer every time absolutely absolutely not, not. Nope. And, get out of here. and how to get away from that thing which usually means walking away as fast as you can exactly just leave uh, the house full and then if it invades your space the answer is don't give it any attention and ignore it as if it weren't even there pretend it's not there what's it gonna do Gaslight the ghost. <laughs> it's something that's stuck since one of your first episodes, so I'm glad that you're still living in this realm of of kind of nope. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I if not I am nothing if not consistent, and all I and consistently <laughs> I am here to uh, have sex with monsters, uh, but not ghosts. And ignore the rest. <laughs> ignore the rest. <laughs> Fair enough. That's it. Thank you.